And I realized that people don't know the laws even. Right. They don't know where bicycles are supposed to be. That expresses itself in a lot of really dangerous road rage behavior. Yeah. And not just that, but in policies that make it very difficult to get out of your car. This is Bike Talk on the KPFK live stream. My name is Don Ward. I'm here with Nick Richard. But we have with us right now Laura Friedman, who's the uh, California Assembly member of the 43rd District. Should we just jump right into uh, the topic at hand, which is AB 121, right? Did I? There's two bills that we've introduced, um, AB 2121 and AB 2828. Okay. And AB 2121 is looking primarily at what's called the 85th percentile, which is the way that speed limits are set in California across the state. And what the essence of the 85th percentile says is that in order to enforce a speed limit on a road, every 10 years, the city has to do a speed survey on that road. If they haven't done a speed survey within 10 years, they can't issue speeding tickets. And if they do their speed survey, and it turns out that people, that 85% or more of the people are driving above the posted speed limit, they are forced by law to raise the speed limit. So what that ends up doing is over time, the speed limits on most roads end up going up because people drive faster and faster. And as the speed limit goes up, people just drive faster again above the speed limit. So, And it's sort of like police admit freely that they don't really uh, issue a ticket unless you're going 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. I hear that a lot. I don't know if that's official policy, but... I think it probably depends on the stretch of road and the municipality, but I'm not surprised to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, what's happened in a few places, it's happened in Burbank a few years ago, uh, all of a sudden, um, maybe because of new technology and the way people are navigating around, I'm not really sure why, but one of the neighborhoods was complaining that people were driving through their residential neighborhoods Uh, single-family residential neighborhoods and driving very, very fast. And so the residents asked the city to come in and enforce. So the city came in and did a speed survey and Mm -hmm. found out that people were all driving faster, which is what they were told. Mm -hmm. And so before they could issue any tickets, they were forced to raise the speed limit. And that really infuriated the residents, uh, rightfully. And because now it's not just that people are going to be driving fast, but now they actually had to accommodate that fastness in the speed limit. So... What our bill says is that under certain conditions, like accident data showing high rates of accidents or vulnerable populations like senior citizens or school children, that cities would be able to not have to raise the speed limit based on the 85th percentile under those certain conditions. Mm -hmm. And we tried to do this bill two years ago. And what happened when we tried to do it was we had major opposition from some big stakeholders. Um, namely CHP, California Highway Patrol, and also AAA. And so what we were able to do instead was to put together what we called our Zero Vision Task Force. So we brought in stakeholders. Zero zero fatalities. Sorry, zero fatalities. People have task force. (laughs) Zero fatalities. Thank you. You're absolutely right. 
And we got stakeholders from across the state from a multitude of public agencies like Caltrans and Highway Patrol, from different police forces, also activists from safe streets organizations, bicycle organizations, uh, AAA, I would say people who are more for car, you know, I don't know what to call them, but sort of the fast car lobby. Yeah, participated. Lobby. We had all kinds of people and we had we had interest from across the state, unsolicited mm. by us, just lots of people mm. interested in participants. We ended up with a very large task force, many, many people mm -hmm. who met several times in Sacramento and hashed out all the issues and came to a consensus and wrote a very comprehensive document about ways to make our streets safer. So our two bills, possibly three bills, are an attempt to codify a bunch of their recommendations. Mm -hmm. So right now it's limited to a few of the recommendations, but over the next few weeks, we'll be building these bills out and adding to them based on what's in the report. Mm -hmm. Now, the big fear, of course, that I have is the, the power behind the voice of the CHP and AAA. I mean... No, no, no. No? You should see this report. The really? It's a document that you would have written yourself if you had had a lot of time and more of you. Okay. And what's great is that they were at the table. Mm -hmm. And so not sure. only were they able to contribute their thoughts, but they mm -hmm. were hearing other people's experiences and thoughts, and maybe for the first time in a formal setting like that. Mm. And so everybody, when they've done this, and you know, everyone didn't get everything they wanted, but I think that the whole group now, including uh, AAA and Highway Patrol, would say, Yes, we were participated and you know, hopefully they will publicly say we agree with the recommendations that are in here. So I'm hopeful, guardedly optimistic mm -hmm. that we'll be able to change this law finally and get this mm -hmm. through. And that law is part of it. The other part I wanted to mention in 2828 is that we would then send um, the engineers who write the state codes governing road design mm -hmm. would be basically tasked to go back every few years and update those codes in their manuals to reflect the priority of safety rather than just speed and efficiency. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but let me tell you, when I was on the Glendale City Council and I had asked about putting a bike lane in and was told by our traffic engineers, oh no, the street has to be 16 feet, you know, or whatever it was. And I would say, but why? I mean, my car is not that wide. Like, why does it need to be that on every single street? Mm -hmm. And they would say, well, that's, that's within the manual. Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. I, they said to me at one point, well, we can't have a rotary. We don't believe rotaries aren't in the manual. They don't exist. This is the so, MUTCD, right? The uh, Cal California MUTCD Manual of Uniform Traffic. Yes. So devices. that will be now, uh, if this bill is successful, updated. will be updated every few years with an eye towards safety. Wow. Okay. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm not, I guess I'm not surprised that they haven't th you know, thought to do this before. But I guess in this sense... They're going to focus on safety with the voice of cyclists and pedestrians and so forth on that, that committee. So that's good. Exactly. And then the last piece that we haven't introduced yet would be a way to get more funding for road engineering to make dangerous roads safer from the state by moving money from other sources, other types of road work over. So it, that'll be the most difficult piece of all this. And mm -hmm. we're still working on what that would look like. Mm -hmm. Reading the findings was uh, satisfying, you know, to know that some of those people, some of the shareholders who were part of the task force had to listen to mm -hmm. the findings, you know, when it was in their interest not to acknowledge that, for example, speed contributes to the severity of injuries mm -hmm. and the likelihood of crashes. And so now they their names are on this document that 
I mean, I shouldn't focus on <clears throat> like Don's worst en- uh, nemesis is on <laughs> was on the task force. Oh, uh, not my worst nemesis, but got, he's, he's the guy several. that is in LA politics that uh, is you gathering know, petitions for things like uh, making sure that there's no vulnerable user law, or you know, he's like fighting the fight against cyclists and pedestrians and i was like shocked the first time i heard that he was on this committee but you know what it's good that he's on the committee like you're saying laura like they have they're participating they have to hear everybody's concerns through this committee yeah Um, and they have to hear it and also they can't say that we kept them out you know one thing i wanted to bring up um you know we're, we're, we're sort of they're we're looking at the data right to inform this committee and a lot of the data like in the the, the TIMS system or, uh, is, is the reporting of police officers and a lot of crashes don't get reported. Yeah. They, they're just held, uh, they're just um, considered to be civil matters and an insurance company takes care of it. Right. Is there a way that we can compel the insurance companies to release their data so that we know about the fender benders and the non-injury crashes that are part of the climate of danger of the streets like you know me as a as a bike rider like i'll see a non-injury crash or i've been in non-injury crashes the police don't come they don't report it but that non-injury crash is still threatening it's still a hostile you know, it's part of the hostile environment of the streets, and we're not getting that full picture until I believe that we can get statistics from the insurance companies that are doing the private, um, you know, like a collision happens. It, it's not reported right. to the government, but it's taken care of by the insurance company. They have data on it. I think that's a great point. And not only that, but that data could tell a story about the dangers of a particular road where it might be that if we had that information, we would know that there's a dangerous condition that exists. Yeah. Um, um, so it's a good thought. We'll look into that. Mm, right on. So, Laura, um, how did you get started? What brought you to working on Safe Streets? Well, having been a council member in Glendale, which has a bad record with um, pedestrian fatalities, introduced me to it a bit and then myself uh, when I got elected to the Glendale City Council I gave up my car for a couple years and was just using the bus and walking and riding my bike and I started to experience myself the difficult conditions in the community and I remember when we painted Sharrows for instance uh, in certain parts of the city on the road and because I was a council member, I would get these phone calls from people. And I got all of these emails and calls from people that would say things like, well, <clears throat> now that there's these markings on the road, does that mean that the bikes are allowed in the street? <laughs> and I realized that people don't know the laws even. Right. They don't know the laws about what constitute a crosswalk. They don't know the law about pedestrian right-of-way. They don't uh, understand what happens at a four-way stop sign. They don't know where bicycles are supposed to be. Right. So they act aggressively when they see them, and they think they're in the wrong place even when they're not. They often don't understand oh. the dangers because they haven't been on a bicycle since they were 10 years old, and maybe that's been 60 years. I think there's also sort of a cultural thing. Like the car is an American. This is a symbol of America. King here's, of you know, here's this person 
not buying into that we should all have cars and drive cars everywhere. There's definitely a, an aggression towards people who are not in cars that to me is slightly mystifying. And it extends, uh, you see it most not on bicyclists, although that's a big part of it, but now you really see it against people on scooters. Mm. This is huge. Mm. You know, I think people on scooters represent for a certain segment of the population sure. everything they hate about millennials. <laughs> you know, right. so there's this whole, if they see someone on a scooter, like this is whole mythos that they're going to work in a craft coffee shop and you know that they probably <laughs> about in their have scooters. a goatee and you know maybe they studied like critical theory mm-hmm. or something and i don't know it's just like whatever people don't like gets projected onto them and that, that expresses itself in a lot of really dangerous road rage behavior yeah. and not just that but in policies that make it very difficult to get out of your car the city of glendale does not allow e-bikes in its downtown Wow. You may not realize that, but they have a law in the books that you're not supposed to be on an e-bike in the downtown. Somebody the, made a specific law for e-bikes. Wow. Well, I think they were really getting at scooters, but mm-hmm. they couldn't just do scooters. So it's any motorized electric vehicle that's not a car. <laughs> okay. So you get a lot of policy like that that I think ends up being justified not because of the type of vehicle, but because of the type of rider they think that it mm-hmm. ha- it attracts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I mean, if they just give it a shot, you know, like a, you go to Europe, there's people riding motor scooters, you know. Motor scooters could totally solve so much about traffic here in Los Angeles. Motor, well, like electric, electric or, scooters. yeah, electric yeah. or. Preferably, I think. Preferably electric, but even gas scooters could could help but uh it's like it's scary to get on a motorcycle or a scooter is a scary venture when you have cars that are speeding you know from red light to red light and they're going like 50 miles an hour a lot of times so much of our built environment is very hostile to to walking yeah and um walking around my own city when you know i don't think of glendale as even being nearly the worst for walking around and for zoning. Mm. But there are certain places that I, I came to realize uh, feel very frightening, you know, and I'll just give you an example. Uh, I have to, to get downtown from where I live, I have to walk across Glen Oaks Boulevard. You know, it's not, a, it's a nice walk actually, up and down Brand Boulevard. Mm-hmm. But when you get to Glen Oaks and you walk across, the way the signal prioritization works is you have to stop in the middle of Glen Oaks. You can't walk all the way across the street. There's like a seven-lane street. It's a very wide street, but they make the choice to make pedestrians stand in the middle of the street while cars are going on both sides of them at literally at 50 miles an hour. And you're standing in the middle of the street with nothing around you that's going to protect you. If one of those cars just makes a slight error... Yeah. And yet you're supposed to stand in the middle of the street, maybe with your baby in a stroller, (laughs) you know, on this little traffic island. And it's because they don't want you to they don't want cars to wait that extra, 30 extra couple seconds. seconds and the irony is that if somebody who was an engineer actually walked it they'd realize that when the other cars are making their left turn you actually can let the people walk across who are already halfway across because those cars can't turn directly into the oncoming traffic but right. they still won't let you walk across so mm. it's not even that they n- they need to keep you there. To ch- they could keep their traffic timing exactly how it is, but just change the walk part of right. it. Right. They probably... But um, they don't know that because they don't walk. Yeah. They don't yeah. walk the streets, the engineers themselves. Yeah, and those those left-hand turns are dangerous because people in their cars, the, the 
the column, this is what I've, I've been reading, is that the column, oh my God. You want to take the that? The column of the... <laughs> we could take a call, Don, you know. Okay. Did that really happen? I didn't know what that was. Try it. Answer it. No, I'm not going to answer it. Why are you not going to answer? It's a call show. It's, it's We take calls. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that, Laura. I'm so sorry. I think Laura would maybe like to hear um, it the public. Well, I don't. we didn't even give out the number. I have a feeling oh. that's not even anybody that's calling I, I did. I gave it out in the event. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh. Call back. Call, call back, back, whoever you were. We'll answer. We'll answer. Well, you My asked bad. me how I, how I got there. That was a really long answer. <laughs> Clearly yeah. in a very meandering kind of way. Yeah, but it, it's, that, that, you know, we need to hear the long story because people boil it down to, like, small 10-second clips about why we don't matter. You know, why pedestrians or cyclists don't matter. All right, I'm going to take this call. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Wow, why is it doing that? Hello, you're on Bike Talk, KPFK. Turn your radio down. Hello, hey, it's Zach. Hey, Zach. Oh, Zach. Hey, Zach. Ciclavia. Hey, Zach. Cicla Valley. Do you know Zach? Hi. Hey, Zach. Uh, uh, yeah, I have a quick question. Just, you know, like, the fact that there's so much stuff going on at the, at the state level, um, when, uh, how much attention does this get relative to all the other issues that you're, you're facing over there? You mean uh, safe streets? Yes, yes. Actually, more than you'd think. Uh, we had a lot of interest in the 85th percentile bill originally, and, and there had been versions of that bill introduced many times over the years. I was not the first person to realize uh, how stupid it was. Um, and the cities really dislike it because they want more tools to deal with speeding and with unsafe conditions. So when we did the task force, when we were doing the bill, we did the task force, like I said, we were getting these interests from all over the state, just sort of random cities in the Central Valley were like reaching out and sending support letters. People we had never mm. looked for support from. They they noticed that of all the bills, the thousand bills mm. that mm. were introduced, there were cities with clearly a limited number of people reading bills, pulling that bill out and putting it in front of their city council and saying, "You guys, we should send a letter of support." Amazing. So there is, and, and the other thing I discovered doing this, because I also did a bill about reckless driving, which we were successful getting through the legislature, but it got vetoed to try to put some teeth into reckless driving laws for this, a lot of the same reason, was that we think of traffic safety as being an urban problem because we're here in Los Angeles, and that's all we ever think about is Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. But if you <laughs> go into rural areas, they have really long streets without a lot of, of uh, policing and a lot of infrastructure, and they have a problem where the young people will go out and do 130 miles an hour and have a head-on collision and, and die, mm. you know, or mm. will go into a farmer's field and do donuts and cause all kinds of damage, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of damage in a crop. So they have their own version, but mm. but some of the most dangerous roads in the state are rural roads, you I know, roads where they're highways, where there's no yeah. center divider. And so um, um, this is, traffic fatalities, pedestrian, bicycle, but also just traffic fatalities are a statewide problem. And it's mm -hmm. a problem that has been increasing even as our cars are getting safer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. And yeah, also okay. with, the, with texting and everything else, I think a lot of people are looking for solutions to, mm -hmm. you know, to traffic fatalities. Yeah, because, you know, one of the things that mentioned in the, in the report was, uh, you know, you're facilitating through traffic you know we're 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 not making our streets for uh for the, the people, people that live there yeah. thanks zach <laughs> i guess he's off <clears throat> the little google sound tells us 
So did you, you got the money for that bridge that connects Glendale to the LA bike path? I got money for a bridge that hasn't broken ground yet, which will connect Glendale to Griffith Park and the LA bike path. So if you know where the soccer fields are, it would basically go from there. That's where I live. Okay. You live in the soccer fields? No, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> well, She's we'll talking talk, about we'll the talk. soccer fields over by the zoo. Yeah, the soccer fields by oh. the zoo. So they'll go from right by the soccer fields by mm-hmm. the zoo in Griffith Park okay. and where the L.A. River bike path is there. Mm-hmm. And it'll cross the Glendale Narrows, the river, and come to the other side where Flower, where, where Flower Street is and where the Glendale Riverwalk project is where the Glendale bike path is. Mm-hmm. So right behind DreamWorks, mm-hmm. if you know where that is, next to the bridge, the 134 bridge, sort of right under it. And what's beautiful about that is a few things. First of all, Mitch O'Farrell's proposed a bridge to go, a bicycle bridge to go under the 134 mm-hmm. to Atwater. And then the other thing is that that footing of that bridge on the Glendale side is within one mile of about 100,000 residents. Mm. I mean, it's pretty dense mm-hmm, on the other mm-hmm, side. Mm. Yeah. So you have about 100,000 people living within mile, mile and a half. Mm-hmm. So that means that 100,000 people could easily ride a bike mm-hmm. to, um, I mean, hopefully we can put the infrastructure in to get them there a little more safely, mm-hmm. but could ride a bike or drive, let's say, to the Glendale side. And Glendale has a park and ride lot right next to the 134 that's underutilized. Probably nobody's in it. Mm-hmm. You could park there or you could ride your bike there and then you could walk across this bridge or bike across this bridge and be right in Griffith Park, right at the soccer fields, the dog park, by the zoo, the Autry. Mm-hmm. And then L.A. is running their shuttle bus through Griffith Park. Mm-hmm. So they're mm-hmm. going to have a shuttle stop there. So you could get on the shuttle bus and go to the Greek theater, go to the shuttle, Hollywood sign. Shuttle stop at the soccer fields. It'll be where the, where the bridge is. They've agreed to put a shuttle stop oh, there. Okay. And that shuttle, I believe, will also go to the red line. So think about that. Whoa, Whoa right? Get out right? Of here, really. You're starting to see now what this that really could be mean. Amazing. Begin to see. Begin to see the, the possibilities. And also that's the LA Griffith River Park bike shuttle? path is right there. Mm-hmm. The Griffith Park shuttle. That, that's amazing. That's amazing. That that comes from the parking fees program that they have up at the uh, observatory. observatory. So the, think about this, like Glendale resident, but also LA resident who's on Los Feliz and hates all those cars. Well, why not? If you're a Glendale resident <sighs> going to downtown LA Go to the park and ride if you don't want to ride a bike. Walk across the bridge, which is nothing, you know, mm-hmm. 50 yards or something. Get on that shuttle. Be taken for free to the red line. <laughs> jump on the red line and go wherever you're going for work. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So that's the Griffith Park shuttle. That's mm-hmm. So Don actually was... We, we worked on an action to get a dash bus service there, and that sparked the idea for the shuttle as well. Um, I, I used Instrumental. to, I mean, whatever we just, w- we tried to get it. We were working on getting one of our car free roads in the park back that had been opened up to traffic. So we kind of got into a big thing and it turned out really good for the park and also for us. That's great. And one, one thing for people who might be listening, who aren't familiar with the area right now from that area, that part of Glendale, which is, a, you know, Glendale is a decent sized city. It's 200,000 people. Mm-hmm. So from Glendale to get to Griffith Park, your only choice from central Glendale is to take the 134 highway. So that's people who have to get on a highway mm. in Los Angeles just to go to a mile or so right. to take their kids to the zoo, right. to go to the park, to take your dog to the dog park. So many times of the day when that highway is busy, you're yeah. just not going to do it. Yeah. And then or you can go over Los Feliz Boulevard, which is also a complete nightmare. Disaster. And horrible for the people who live there because it's a residential street. 
or you have to go all the way through Burbank and take Victory, which is another really busy and really out of the way way to get it to the park. And it's also right by a freeway entrance and exit, right. which is like p- car drivers in a frenzy. Right. So no good ways to access the largest urban yeah. park in the United States. That park has been cut off by this large infrastructure, the LA River and the 5 freeway, from everyone who lives to the east of it. You know what's funny is it's actually cut off from the west as well. That's what we we're trying to do with the Hyperion Bridge. There's really no way to get from Echo Park, Silver Lake, or even Los Feliz to the LA River, there's just no way. It's like Los Feliz Boulevard, right. disaster. Mm-hmm. Hyperion, uh, the Hyperion Bridge, disaster. Um, Fletcher is a freeway entrance and exit. It's, it's awful. So Yeah, having infrastructure, having public amenities like parks is only half of the problem. The other <laughs> getting problem is getting people there and yeah. getting them there in a way that doesn't require cars going through residential neighborhoods and taking up your park with parking lots. Right, right, right. Amazing. So Glendale's getting it done. Well, we hope so. We got them $20 million. It was not easy to do. Yeah, it how was does one that of the only earmarks that was in, um, I think it was AB6, uh, Prop 68 or AB68, whatever it was, the park bond. Mm. There were only a few earmarks in it, and one of them I was able to secure for this bridge. Mm. But now we need Glendale to finish their environmental document and to build it. And... Um, well, I hope that they move on it fast enough so that my daughter, who's now six, can use it at some point, um, you know, right. herself. It takes us forever to build infrastructure. I guess maybe that could be a good thing. I don't know if we, want, if we build too fast. No, so, right? So you're, you're not just doing uh, infrastructure. You're doing policy and because it, it sometimes it feels to me like you have to fight for every single street, every block, and yeah. it just seems like... It, it's going to take too long to really feel o- all right, but that it should be made automatic through policies, you know, that there will always be a way to get to a park, you know, because of the just like you were saying that, you know, you can't do this because it's in the, not in the manual or, you know, it has to be 16 feet because it's in the manual. Well, you know, there could be good things in the manual and that's what you're trying to do, right? That's exactly. You, you want to set the policy that sets the priorities mm-hmm. and helps with the funding and, um, uh, really signals kind of what, you know, again, it's, it's, I think it's a question of priorities more than anything and making your planners um, focus. And I, I think there's a lot of goodwill. I mean, I, I, it's not difficult in a place like City of L.A., which is very progressive and does want to move people around <laughs> in a better way. Um, but it's a challenge because so much of this, uh, these amenities and the infrastructure was built, you know, in the 40s where you had a much sm- smaller amount of people um, going places. So updating that has got to be a priority. And mm. I'll just say one other thing. You didn't ask me, but I'll throw something else out since we're talking about mm. priorities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So homelessness is is probably my number one priority right now in housing affordability. It's the biggest crisis we have in Los Angeles and mm-hmm. statewide. It's, it's a huge and growing problem. Mm-hmm. But there is a huge nexus that's not always talked about between public transportation and transit and housing. Mm. And mm. I mention it because you know, this is a show about bicycles and pedestrians, but that has to be part of the equation. But people always say, you can't build housing near me because, and then the end of the because is always because usually of traffic, traffic congestion. Mm -hmm. And parking. And parking. And part of that's a misunderstanding of where cars are coming from and going to. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of, most of the cars that are driving around are people commuting to work from further and further away because they can't afford to live near where they work. Right. 
um, but also part of it is that we don't have good mass transit in Los Angeles, and we haven't mm -hmm. certainly haven't built streets that are safe enough for bicycles and pedestrians that people feel confident, even if they're going to work only a few miles doing it on a bicycle right. because they're scared. And like you know, if you take me and I'm, you know, people at home can't see me, but I am definitely not a spandex wearing, <laughs> you know, health. Uh, bike person that's just not me I'm like a typical woman mm -hmm. of my age so for me to ride on my bike to go somewhere like I need to be extra assured through infrastructure mm -hmm. that I'm safe so there's a lot of people like me out there that would like to do it but we have to be provided you know we're not going to go out and go elbow to elbow with traffic because yeah. we're just not that road warrior so I would like to see us you know build streets more for people like myself and for my child you know and I like other moms don't really want my child out bicycling around on the streets because I don't feel like she's safe. Yeah, and you know, kind of going back to the speed limit thing, like I always, you know, in L.A., it's it seems like the LADOT and LAPD want to keep raising speed limits because they've got a couple guys, one from each agency, going to neighborhood councils and convincing people that they need to raise the speed limits to enforce the speed limits. And they're, like, doing it sort of, like, intentionally. It's not like... They have to do it. They, it's like they want to do it, right? And it's like, can't... Okay, so we can bring the speed limits down, but how about engineering for lower speed limits? Is there, you know, is there something that can be done to compel these transportation agencies to engineer for lower speeds? I think that we should. I mean, I think we need to be engineering really for safety. Mm -hmm. So it's the correct speed in the right place and for for maximum safety. And that's where the people who like the 85th percentile are not wrong. That, I mean, I think they're wrong in that having the lower speed limit does send a signal to drivers. I don't think it's always the case that people are going to go as fast as they want to. But it also is true that drivers will go the speed that they perceive is safe by the engineering of the road. Right. And that can only be changed by engineering. So that's why updating those manuals is important mm -hmm. and getting the word out that the priority should be engineering for safety. Mm. Um, but also communities need the resources to be able to do the re-engineering. They don't always have the money even when they want to do that. And then the political will is something else, and that's you know educating the public. But you see the, the reaction that people have to road diets. Mm -hmm. um, that they have even to just putting a bike lane in sometimes. You know, I've, I've been fighting folks in Glendale. I think that we should be at least studying doing a protected bike path along the Verdugo Wash, which gives a lot of opportunity to bring people through mm. the city safely out of the street and right to where this bridge is going to be, into mm -hmm. the, the Riverwalk. It's right there. Mm. Uh, and there's a lot of people in my community where I live who will, they go apoplectic. The idea that we would do that, it just, that, you know, they just don't want to hear about it. And so the city council a few years ago, we were, when I was on the council, we were going to do a study to look at the feasibility of doing this. Well, the council derailed it based on opposition in the community. They just said, you know what, if you know, we have 500 loud people who say they don't want it, so we're just not going to do it. So what do you do with the loud people? Yeah, where do they come from? Who, who, are, who are they? Like uh, not exactly sure, hmm. to tell you the truth. I mean, sometimes we're the loud people. We are usually the loud people, the bike people. Yeah. We've but been loud. We're not loud that much anymore. But, but the reactionaries. Yeah. I mean, I think there's people who are afraid of change of any sort. Um, there are definitely people who see bicycles as being just something that they have to wait behind on certain streets, and they don't like it. Mm. So they don't want to kind of give them more. Um, 
you know, there's probably, I've, I've heard from people who live adjacent to the wash, for instance, that if people are riding bikes down it, they're going to, they're going to lose their privacy, you know, that it's going to destroy their <laughs> quality of life. So, you know, you definitely get those folks too. Mm. So you're also involved in uh, some rail projects. Do you want to talk about that? There's the high speed rail that you, you want to yeah, put that on hold, right? For, for a little while? No, no, I don't. Okay. Let's be clear. I don't want to put high speed rail on hold. Well, okay. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you, as did, you can you're just throwing Molotov cocktails. Yeah. Right as you can probably tell by hearing me, I, I am a transit supporter. Mm-hmm. And I love trains, and I love Metrolink, uh, and I want them all to work well. And I want high-speed rail and the investment that we've already made, which is sizable, to succeed. And my fear is that the current plan of high-speed rail authority could lead us to a project that does not succeed. Because what they're doing is they are banking on finishing a section of rail between Merced and Bakersfield Mm -hmm. and having a complete high-speed rail portion there and that when it's finished, it'll be so astounding in its (laughs) speed Mm -hmm. that the voters of California will look at that and say, we are so glad we built this section of rail between Merced and Bakersfield at the cost of billions and billions and billions of dollars. (laughs) And now we want to invest more billions and billions and billions of dollars to continue it from the Bay Area down to Los Angeles or San Diego. Okay. My fear is that they complete that section Mm -hmm. of high-speed rail, and the people that are going, let's say, from Bakersfield to San Jose or San Francisco are really pissed because now instead of paying $20 for their Amtrak ticket or $30, they're paying $60 for a high-speed rail ticket. And when they get to Merced, they have to get off the train, and they have to go somewhere else, and they have to wait for Ace or another train to take them now the rest of the way. So they're not going to use it. Well, you know, the, any time that they picked up on high-speed rail now could easily be lost changing trains, even right. if that train yeah. is Transfer. there waiting for them. But let's yeah. say it's not waiting for them, which yeah. is probably more more uh, possible. <laughs> and now they wait 15 or 20 minutes on the track, and their baby's crying, and they've got all their bags, and it was kind of a pain to get off the train with everything, yeah. and they have to get back on now. And they paid a ticket that's twice as much, and they haven't saved any time because it's a two-seat ride. So what... What, the, what I've proposed, along with a few of my colleagues, including Speaker Rendon, is finish the high-speed rail track that you are building in that area, mm-hmm. but don't electrify the track yet. That saves about $4 billion out of the project. Okay. Take that $4 billion and move it into your population centers, into, into the Bay Area and into L.A., not on anything, but on projects that will prepare those areas for the eventuality of the high-speed rail coming there, but okay. which also give real and tangible benefits mm. to our current train lines. So what that looks like in L.A. is separating, is grade separating your tracks. It's having a separate line for your freight trains. As right now, freight mm. trains have mm-hmm. priority, and if there's a freight train on the Metrolink tracks, Metrolink doesn't run. And if a freight train breaks down, which they do all the time, the entire system goes down. Mm -hmm. So move it into L.A. to doing that, to finishing your book, what's called the bookend projects, to finish the Union Station projects. You don't have to pull in and back out of Union Station. Mm -hmm. Get Metrolink running every 15 minutes Mm -hmm. all day long and running at 135 miles an hour through the L.A. corridor between Burbank and Anaheim. That we can do with the money. Wow. Then build your ridership as we know you can build it Mm -hmm. in Los Angeles. My hope is that at that point, people in L.A. say, 
boy, this rail stuff is pretty good. Yeah. You know, I'm now moving around real fast on high, on, on 135 mile an hour Metrolink, mm-hmm. reliable and convenient to get to work now, to move around the LA corridor, to get to the Burbank airport. I would really like this train to now take me all the way to the Bay Area. Yeah, there'll be or more to political Bakersfield support. Or anywhere else. Mm-hmm. But you've got to, we have got to build substantial ridership on trains before Californians are going to support putting more money into high-speed rail. So, the, the, you know, we voted on high-speed rail, what was it, 2008 or something like that, and the public wanted it. We taxed ourselves for the money, right? Is there a well, lot of money in we, the pot? we took money mm-hmm. out of cap-and-trade primarily. Okay. So we taxed a lot of polluting industries. Yeah. And That's still going on? That's still going on. And that was money that was supposed to be used for emissions reductions. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things you can do to reduce greenhouse gas effects, to reduce emissions. And high-speed rail is one of them, mm. but only if it's really taking a sizable number of cars off the road. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm excited about high-speed rail because, you know, I'd love to be able to get on a train from L.A. to San Francisco. It's probably not going to happen in my lifetime, but, you know, that'd be amazing. And then when I heard that I don't know. Gavin Newsom said that it was not happening. I guess that's the way the press reported it. But it's actually happening between Merced and Bakersfield. Right. That's the only section that is financed and probably not even completely financed. So the question is, let's say that we continue the high-speed rail authorities plan and we build that section. How do we convince the state to keep going? Now, like I said, the authority Mm. believes that once they build that and everyone sees it, how fast it is and how beautiful it is, they're going to want to continue it. But my feeling is, well, we already know that they can build it because they've built it everywhere in the world. This is 20th century technology, not 21st century technology. Nobody has to prove the concept of building it. What we have to do is to get more people riding trains. And I don't know that there's enough. I'm worried that their current plan is not going to get enough of an increase in ridership, even mm-hmm. in the Central Valley, given that it's a two-seat ride, unless you're stopping at Merced, uh, to justify this huge investment we've made. Uh, and I'm afraid it will become the only section of high-speed rail that ever gets built. I'm really embarrassed that I don't know where Merced is. Is it north of Bakersfield? It's Hello, north of Bakersfield. San Jose? Yes. How many miles out of San Jose? Oh, don't do that to me. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay, I get it. You have to look at them out. Yeah. I mean, if it's taking this money, this pot of money, and reallocating it to cities to build up their rail infrastructure, let's do that. You know, it sounds good to me. Um, Sounds like this high-speed rail thing. There's so much opposition to it, which is sad because the public voted for this. But there's been so much opposition that it's like, yeah, I guess we got to put it off. But if we could take that money and build up rail in the cities, um, sounds good. Well, to it's me. it's and, and it, what we're proposing is rail that prepares those rail lines for high speed rail. So mm-hmm. it's still yeah, using it yeah. for high speed rail. It's just the idea of building the building it in your least populated area. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I don't think that's wrong if you have the funding for the whole thing. But we have to kind of do both. And I do want the Central Valley to have a win out of this. And having this faster train track, mm-hmm. if, you, if they continue building the high-speed rail line that they're building mm-hmm. but do, and do the, the Tier 4 diesel, very clean diesel trains, you still get emission reductions from the engine itself. You can still mm-hmm. run 150 miles an hour mm-hmm. on those tracks. Mm-hmm. But the difference is that you'll run these very fast trains. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's 135 miles an hour. I'm not exactly sure, but very fast. 
And with this new train track that's grade separated and not with the freight trains, it's going to be much faster than what they have now. But then you could go on one seat ride all the way into the Bay Area on those trains. Yeah. So you're actually still giving the, the Central Valley a great project. You're mm-hmm. still giving them much faster rail. Mm-hmm. Um, delaying the electrification, I don't believe, is, so, is, is such a huge detriment to the current project that's under construction that it can't wait a few years. Okay. Well, it sounds sensible to me. Yeah, no, I like it because, <laughs> you know, when, when they talked about just doing that, that one segment, you know, the thought comes up of like, okay, they they build that segment in the future, just getting the land to do the rest of it through Los Angeles is going to cost twice as much, right? So, you know, I like this idea of spending the money on projects that prepare and maybe acquire land for the high-speed rail yeah. now because yeah. it's going to be cheaper now. The future is – I don't see that – land will get cheaper in the future and fix metrolink fix metrolink tracks that's that's really the key and in the bay area you know work on their tracks as well Mm, that whole line through san jose and and that whole area they really need a lot of infrastructure investment as well so let's say that this bill passes that you guys are working well it's not a bill yet yeah sorry um it's a proposal okay and i think there is a bill that we're about to introduce with luz rivas from the from san fernando and other folks that will, you know, kind of help nudge a little bit with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what is the process here? So let's say ideally everything passes the hurdles. Um, you know, how does, how does it go down? Well, we have to, to bring the governor along on this. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, that's the next big step. Mm-hmm. Is, do you think he's going to be friendly to it? I'm not really sure. I, I mm-hmm. think they're pretty invested to the current uh, plan mm-hmm. for that high-speed rail authority has. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're we're still in conversations. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So what else are you working on? Are you have you have a lot of legislation that that comes from? Does everybody have this much? We just introduced a whole bunch of bills today. Uh, today was the bill introduction deadline. So I work on a lot of environmental legislation, so a lot of climate work and, and uh, work on different environmental issues. We just introduced a bill about um, packaging from lo- large, large online retailers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be interesting. What's, uh, the, what's the new proposed rule? The new proposed rule is that large online retailers would have to take their packaging back if you were to give it back to them. Oh. So if a truck comes up that's delivering a package to you. You could take the thing out? You would have to basically, if then you left another box with the packaging, they oh. would have to take it and go recycle it. Or if they have a brick-and-mortar location, they would have to have recycle bins for their packaging material. Great. And that would basically incentivize them to use less packaging. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Yeah, that- Hopefully, mm-hmm. so there's that. Um, and we wouldn't make them take back the easily recy- curbside recycled material at all. So you can recycle curbside cardboard, so we wouldn't require them to take cardboard back. I see. But your local um, uh, trash collector is probably not recycling any plastic um, at this point. Really? Not, not plastic bags is not recyclable. I throw everything in there. So, yeah, I know. We all yeah, do, I but it's don't, don't – listen, folks, that, listening yeah. at home <clears> – <throat> Don't put any kind of plastic bags in the recycle bin. I know we are all aspirational recyclers, <laughs> but all that plastic baggy stuff, anything you can put a finger through or a pen through, 
ends up going into the machinery, and every 10 minutes they have to stop the whole oh. machinery and go and rake that stuff out of their machinery. And so all you're doing is causing a big headache for wow. everybody. So when I say you, like I'm wagging my finger at you, I'm <laughs> also wagging it at my husband <laughs> and myself at times. Uh, it's not recyclable. Um, I didn't know most that. Of, and a lot of uh, trash, a lot, I of, wish uh, I didn't. a lot of municipalities don't take styrofoam either. You have to check with yours to see if mm. they will accept styrofoam curbside. So anything that's not accepted curbside, we want those shippers to take back. Hmm. So that's a bill we're working on. We're working on a bill about microfibers, which is the stuff that if you have any polyester clothing and you put it in your washing machine, it sheds these little particles oh that God. don't get filtered out in any filtration device, and they all end up in the ocean. And so the ocean is filled with – the plastic that you see in the ocean is only a small part of it. Most of the plastic <laughs> is in the ocean are these invisible what's called microfibers that end up killing the fish and going into the fish bloodstream. And you eat it yourself. It's in your bloodstream. It's in your stomach. Are there endocrine disruptors because we're all filled with plastic at this point, oh my which God. is probably carcinogenic. Um, it's just all – it's all horrible. It's horrible. And so we have a – there's a, but the good news is <laughs> – Without a lot of, without having to do a lot of retrofitting, washing machines that are sold, com like your washer that mm -hmm. you wash your clothing in, mm -hmm. can be the new washing machines can be fitted with a little filter that can actually filter that stuff out, and then you can take it all and put it in, I guess, a bag and at least send it to the solid waste places who can deal with it better than right now where it's just going into the water. Huh. Into the so we have a bill that requires wash new washing machines after a certain period of time to have those filtration devices. Right. Um, Let's see, we're doing housing bills, which we always do, to try to help with housing production. We're also have, are introducing a bill for tenant protections to protect tenants from slumlords mm. and from unhabitable conditions. Where did you come down on SB 50? I never had the opportunity to vote on it because it didn't mm. make it to our house. I think that there's a lot of great things in that bill, but what I'd rather see more than that kind of approach is for our cities to get real about housing mm -hmm. and to look at their own community and to decide in their communities where the best place is to add housing, not because it's cheap to do it in a certain place or not because, you know, uh, it, it's doable, but because they are interested in building communities and to put housing in places where people are working and mm -hmm. walking and where you can do it in a place that makes your community better and stronger and uh, more walkable and bikeable. Uh, and you really can only do that kind of work at the local level because you know your community. So I would much prefer that cities get real about adding housing, stop thinking that this is the end of the life as they know it, and realize that this helps their constituents, and they can have a better quality of life in their cities by finding the right places to add housing. Okay. So I think that's really the way that we should be going about this. And, you know, I'm I'm happy to say that the cities that I represent, several of them have already done this. LA has really been trying and trying to upzone the right areas. Um, Glendale has added a lot of housing capacity. When I was on the city council, I was part of entitling about 4,000 units in the downtown. Hmm. You know, so they, I feel like they're doing their part. Burbank has just changed their housing element to add about 12,000, wow. uh, the capacity for about 12,000 new units. Wow. Now, whether they get built or not, it's a different story. Hmm. But, you know, that's really the approach that we should be taking across the state. But we do need all the cities to come to the table and, and do it. And do it in a way that's real. You know, there's, there's sort of these two sides in the housing argument. NIMBYs and YIMBYs, and there's a third side that has emerged called FIMBYs, Public Housing in My Backyard. And I always think like... Isn't that a YIMBY? That's a FIMBY. So YIMBYs yes. are yes in my backyard. NIMBYs okay. are no in my backyard. So anyways, 
you know, t- we have a ca- okay. I'm I'm a little bit, you know, inarticulate when it comes to this stuff. But it's like, don't we have a public bank with the state of California? Didn't we get that? Happening? Well, we have a public bank, but the problem is that the public bank was allowed under the um, stipulation that that money that goes in, being taxpayer money, mm-hmm. has to be FDIC insured. Okay. So that you don't have any problems. And so far, no, none of the banks have been able to qualify for FDIC insurance. So hopefully they get that worked out. No. I will say that there will never be, there is not enough money to build as much public subsidized housing as we want. Well, I was thinking this. I was thinking if we have our public bank, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the rent, like, you know, there's, there's places like the Eco Village. I don't know if you know about the Eco Village, no. but it's a co-op owned apartment building. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like their model, it's nonprofit rent, you know, and it's, I, you know, they, they kind of choose, I guess, folks that, that are sort of on the lower income, uh, st- you know, strata and accept them into the apartment. And you, you can, you build equity, I guess, you know, as a, as a renter there. It's like, couldn't we encourage a lot of that kind of activity with renters vis-a-vis their, the buildings that they're in, like encouraging renters to buy the buildings by using our public banks. I don't know. And houses. Yeah. I mean, or getting people to be able to have homes instead of rent, right? Right. Wouldn't you know, be because it's like, I think a lot of people sort of focus on paying rent and being able to pay rent, but it's like, we should aim higher. We, w- we should be owning, you know, our buildings and taking ownership of these buildings rather than having to pay rent to somebody who's working with you know market forces Mm -hmm. i guess versus owning the building as a co-op and i don't know am i talking to is there something like that going on no i i I think we need to be open to all (laughs) different models of of housing and we should be able to explore a lot of different models and, you know, there's co-housing, which I don't even know if we have co-housing here in Los Angeles. I have mm-hmm. a friend who, a friend, I don't have a friend. I have a cousin, mm-hmm. a close cousin who lives in a big co-housing. Um, what, what is that? What is co-housing? Co-housing is kind mm-hmm. of like a cooperative where people buy the land together and build the houses. And in that one that my cousin lives in, they own from like the inside wall inward and then the co the the co-housing group owns from the outside wall outward so huh. all the property is all owned by everybody hmm. and um the outside of your house is actually owned by the group but you own what's inside but you don't i don't know if you own the land i'm not sure how all the details and there's like a little building that's like a clubhouse and kitchen so once a week they all eat together um so it's like a cooperative Mm-hmm. sort of, and they bought it all together. It's an act in Massachusetts. You can probably oh. even look it up. And there's a book about all the different co-housing around the country because there's a lot of these. Um, there's cooperatives. You know, there's like your sort of New York co-op type building. Mm-hmm. Um, there's condos. And um, I will say that, you know, we should explore all of that. I don't know that owning is for everybody. Along with owning, there's also liability. <laughs> and people that have owned co-ops will tell you that, you know, you also have to be financially prepared to deal with yeah, large repairs and everything mm-hmm. else that happens. Um, you have to want to be somewhat permanent in the area. Mm-hmm. But I do think that opening up the opportunity for more people to own is really important. Mm-hmm. We get really important. We get so. F- Don and I talked after last episode about. Uh, we actually Don talked to Nithya Roman as a candidate for mm-hmm. 
Council District 4. For about uh, homelessness for a long time. And I think it's just when you start talking about one thing, it just goes Well, it's all related. Transportation is related to... Housing is related to, you know, everything. So, What, what, is, what is your uh, vision for the future of transportation in L.A., Laura? I think we need a lot more good mass transit. And the public has really embraced our light rail system and our subway system. People are very happy to get on light rail. They, it doesn't have the same stigma as buses. And I don't think it's just that buses have stigma. It's just they're a horrible experience, usually. <laughs> you know, so nobody wants to get on them. It's a fine line between stigma and horrible experience. Yeah, <laughs> and some of them are better than others. I mean, I ride the B line in Glendale, and it's not bad. But I don't have to look at video screens and, um, oh, you know, uh, that's, just. That's amazing that you said that because that's one of the worst things about the bus, in my opinion, is having video screens in yeah. front of you. Like, yeah. I mean, when I lived in New York, I loved riding the bus because you were above ground. So if I was close and I could ride the bus, I always wanted to. Uh, because you get to like look outside and it's really pleasant. Somehow we haven't replicated that experience in Los Angeles. I mean, people don't want to take the bus if it's going to take you significantly longer than driving your own car. You know, the bus has got to be more pleasant, but also it's got to be faster to get people on it. And light rail is a more pleasant experience than driving and it's fast and it's reliable. The buses, most of them, except for the orange line, don't always have that. Mm -hmm. So, but I think that more light rail um, and certainly in places that scream for it like the Sepulveda Pass um, hmm. is an investment worth making. Uh, I, it's a, it, I heard an interesting thing today. I was, so the, I'm a member of the LA Legislative Caucus. So the members in LA, the senators and assembly members, we have our little caucus for Los Angeles County. It's actually not so small. It's most of the legislature. And hmm. we have a caucus where we get together to talk about issues and take on issues. And certainly the issues around homelessness are one of our big <laughs> issues that we're taking on. So we had a meeting today with a bunch of stakeholders um, from different areas talking about housing affordability and production. It was actually about housing production. And one of the stakeholders who works with the city of LA said something really interesting. He said, you know, rather than you guys putting a lot more money into building affordable housing, he said, this is very controversial. He's the only person I've ever heard say this. So we're with all these affordable housing builders who are all they're saying is we need more money. We need more money. Give us more money to build affordable housing. And that's to hear a lot. He goes, you know, I think that you'd get more bang for your buck not investing any more money in affordable housing and putting it all instead into infrastructure, into tra- transportation hmm. and other sorts of infrastructure to prepare us for more housing. Because people aren't building because we don't have the infrastructure. He said if developers aren't building in certain areas, it's because there's no transit. So they're not going to build. Like if you had the transit, you could tell them they don't need parking. And then that saves them so much money that it's like putting the money into affordable housing because they can then build so much cheaper that they can rent cheaper. Yeah, it's like a, it's a catch-22. <laughs> you know, you, to build the political will for transportation, there needs to be a bunch of people. For transportation to make sense, you got to build more housing. But density doesn't make sense in places where people can't get to where they're going. So people are right to push back a lot of times on density when people are going to have to, it's going to add a lot of congestion, mm. which isn't always the case. I'm not saying that's always the case because mm-hmm. a lot of times people are already driving through those areas. Mm-hmm. But it makes the most sense to do it near those investments we've already made in transit. Mm-hmm. But I would like to see those transit investments spread out much more. But I do think that every community can benefit from transit. And I think what Pasadena's shown us with the gold line uh, is how much people love transit. You know, those of us who have lived on the East Coast know that. But (laughs) 
but they've shown them the beauty of light rail and how, you know, how non-intrusive it is for communities, but how, uh, what a wonderful amenity that it is. And mm. I wish that we had the money to spread it, you know, far and wide even more. And I would love to see more of the investment go to that. You know, at the time when we're talking about fighting climate change and going the wrong direction in emissions from transportation, we have got to realize that the investments in transit that we make locally not only help counter the housing crisis, but also are directly um, related to our ability to slow down uh, global warming. Well, I really like the idea of the Metrolink running every 15 minutes. Right. If we could even just get that, that'd be amazing. I, my mom lives uh, part of the year in, in Leisure World in Laguna Woods, and I go down there um, by train. Well, mm. if I go down with my daughter on a Friday evening, you know, it's fine. But coming back on Sunday, there's only like two or three trains a day we can take. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a real disincentive to not to, to taking the train. Because you can just get stuck if you miss that train or if there's something wrong with yeah. the track. So having that reliable service would get a lot more people riding. Yeah, moving freight off of the passenger rails. Great idea. I love it. So uh, what is that? That that's not a bill yet, so we're we're working on that. And is there anything else you got coming up for the year that you're? Let's see. Uh, well, like I said, a bunch of housing bills, um, uh, bills about transportation. Um, uh, no, I'm it, trying to think. Yeah. I mean, what else do we, What it'll, else do you need? I mean, come yeah, on. it'll come up in conversation, <laughs> I'm sure. Because uh, yeah, we're, we're actually going to bring on. You mentioned uh, Pasadena. We've got Dorothy Wong and. Dorothy is uh, a legend in the local bike scene. Um, she is the race director, I guess you could say, of SoCal Cross. And she's also on the Altadena City Council. Is that right, Dorothy? Uh, sort of. Town <laughs> Council. <laughs> Town Council, LA yes. County Unincorporated. Okay. But I've, I've really enjoyed uh, uh, listening to Laura and... Um, all the things she's talking about at the state level and then what she went through at the, the city level. Yeah. So, um, cause you've been involved in a lot of political battles. I'm, yourself. I'm learning. So hmm. starting out, obviously biking, yeah. getting people to, uh, ride bikes and, or, and or race bicycles, um, you know, sort of became the thing, but, uh, I'm actually in my two and a half years now on the, uh, town council. And I, started, a, uh, you know, how do we get people thinking about, of course, all of the things. Of course, I love bicycling, right? But not everyone, I'm not elected to get everyone <laughs> to ride a bicycle. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I did get elected. You know, we, we have a little modest election. <laughs> uh, but I had a lot of folks, uh, because I was a bicycling advocate, say, hey, vote for Dorothy. And they were sending it around social media and I had uh, friends have a little tea party for me so the local residents could look at me and, who are you? <laughs> um, but what it's really translated to is it's just so amazing to, and then thankfully in my wacky world of being an athlete uh, growing up, it's like I can't quit. How do we do these things? And so it's been really exciting. Yesterday, um, I started a traffic safety and mobility committee um, of the town council. Uh, and it really does help because we're unincorporated. Uh, we actually get, um, we can be proactive. And I think every community can really be proactive. And that's 
kind of what advocacy is to uh, really have us think about safer streets. What does that mean? How does mobility and all of those things um, matter? So uh, tomorrow I'm actually going to a fire safety um, so all it, you just get pulled around in all sorts of directions. But now that we're in high fire wild wildfire zone, I'm going to be spending eight hours with the Angeles National Forest fire folks and okay. all these things. But meanwhile, uh, yesterday we had uh, Altadena Heritage, which is one of our um, organizations that works on preservation and and um, you know showing off our old historic homes. Uh, we actually co-hosted Street Story 101. Have you ever heard of that? Mm -mm. So uh, Berkeley Safe Trek. You've heard of mm. Berkeley Safe Trek. And so um, how great it is that now, as you were talking about some of the frustrations of them versus they, us, however you want to say it, we actually came together and um, learned how to tell our own traffic frustration story uh, <laughs> using... Uh, Berkeley Safe Trek's database, and so you can do it on your phone, your computer. Berkeley Safe Trek is that the Tim's? Yeah, uh, so they're they're basically, I think, uh, state of California Office of Traffic Safety Switters. funded, uh, and they do data management mm -hmm. for collisions. They do car collisions, and as you've said, a lot of it is, you know, highway patrol reports. But street stories, uh, you can actually input your own data mm -hmm. <laughs> into Berkeley Safe Trek's data. Oh, good. And so. Uh, so we did, there were like probably about 30 of us mm -hmm. in, in the meeting yesterday, and we all kind of told our little street story, and we created our data uh, that then we can actually put reports together, and then we can apply for grants and, and do different things to be proactive. And since my community loves trees, um, trees can attract people to better walking. You know, where do we put trees? And water capture, you know. So there's so many exciting things that, um, you know, we dare to dream. And I always tell them the great story about Portland's neighborhood greenways. And maybe we can make some uh, neighborhood roundabouts so <laughs> instead of stop signs. So people are embracing uh, this bicycling world. We do have a lot of families moving in. As you know, of course, housing is just crazy now with um we actually have a lot of investors coming into altadena what's the population the of altadena what's the population uh we have well we'll see what the next census says but yeah. uh, about forty-three thousand. okay so we're the sixth largest unincorporated area in los okay. angeles county and yeah. so we're broken up in eight census tracts laura so, do you know who the yeah. assembly uh member is for i that? think that it would be chris holden yes yeah chris holden okay laura's on the other side of the river How's, how's he? Is he, is your is side, he, a, right? is yeah, he an ally, yeah. do you think? I think so. Set of, set of I'm not really sure where he is on sort of bicycle transportation yeah. stuff. He's kind of, kind of. But he's been advocating for the free bus passes Yes, for, I think, college students yeah. and maybe high school. So yeah. getting folks on transit. Um, so anyway, I, yeah, I really cool. believe that, you know, we can do things by being proactive. We also partner with... Uh, um, obviously, different you know organizations organizations in our community, churches and such, and you know getting uh, we did actually we met to do our bike assessment for the um, <laughs> where is it we did again Berkeley Safe Trek um, and Cal Walks we did a um, safe routes to school assessment that has to be one of the best things a community can do because you can't argue mm -hmm. that we need to make our streets safe for kids. 
Uh, so we did basically um, an amazing report, which amounted to stop sign, a four-way stop sign being put in, and another stop sign being put in, a pedestrian <laughs> leading uh, phase so the pedestrians can cross the busy road. And then we just finished the bike assessment where we had LA County Public Health join us, LA County Public Works. Uh, again, the engineers don't ride bicycles a lot of times. So we actually helped them. We brought out our league certified instructors, put helmets on oh, their head, let's go for a bike ride, and they willingly came. And then uh, for us being unincorporated, LA County Public Health uh, actually went out and did the Vision Zero study for LA County. And so we were proactive uh, as an unincorporated area to uh, provide information for the first draft <laughs> unit in our community. Mm -hmm. So That's a lot of stuff going on uh, in, in Altadena. Yeah, it's almost like Laura. Well, <laughs> you learn sure. a lot and you kind of see how things flow. And it's just exciting because, yeah. you know, yesterday one of the council members who told me she was going to run me over with her car... Uh, Get out of here. Wait, hold on. Back up. <laughs> Slow down, Tyler. Dorothy, no, hold on. Back Take to a the road rage. One of the <laughs> council um, well, One of the Because I was advocating for, you know, uh, it's actually a street that was uh, getting an $8 million repaving. Yeah. And it was a bike route. And then the engineers had said it's too dangerous to be a bike route. So uh, they were going to take out the bike route signs. So we got them to actually, community members got together and we said, hey, so okay, so okay. Someone's on the phone. Someone just called oh. in. We get a lot of things going on here all at the same time. This is exciting. This is exciting. But I mean, who's who's on the phone? First of all. Hey guys, it's uh, it's James Askew from NoHo Neighborhood Council. Call ah, me. James Askew. Name Neighborhood Council. Okay, I I want to be respectful of the assembly. Yeah, members. no, I don't want time. to. No, hold no, it's on. okay. No, yeah. Hold on, real quick, James. Um, Laura. Yes. You know, thank you for coming out. We. <laughs> Dor Dorothy, <laughs> Dorothy, Dorothy came in onto our stage here at Bike Talk, and we're now moving the conversation into, you know, other areas. But we would love for you to stay, and we can keep talking. But I also want to be respectful of your time. Well, when you, you say stay, to. are we talking like ten o'clock? Fifteen, <laughs> 15 <laughs> more minutes. Well, that's I can I can wait fifteen, 15 minutes. minutes. No problem. Awesome, because you have so much to you know, so much wisdom that oh, we can draw. <laughs> Upon no, you know what's going on, <laughs> so a dumb dumb like me can like follow along and oh stop. <laughs> um, anyways, we've got James Askew. We've got a lot of people that are involved in serving our community here, so this is awesome. That's why I love bike talk. I want to give bike talk a big like collective hug right now. <laughs> okay, James, talk talk to us. Talk. We've got Laura Friedman on. We've got Dorothy Wong, as you know, so come on up. Yeah, hey, nice, nice to meet y'all, sort of. Um, yeah, so we, if, if you aren't aware, we are, um, NoHo Neighborhood Council has been opposing uh, Bureau of Engineering street widening project. They want to widen Magnolia Boulevard in our community um, for about a half a mile stretch from, it's currently 57 feet. They want to widen it to 64 feet. They want to take away seven feet of sidewalk and, um, you know, that take out a bunch of mature trees they're going to replace them with new trees but you know so but the neighborhood council maintain. had issued are they moving those council. trees inward is that part of the deal i beg your pardon are they moving the trees like oh you know, like inward towards the buildings is that kind of yes they um, would they would move the side they would take out the existing trees and then move the sidewalk in and then move 
all the all the sidewalk furniture. So now, Laura, are um, you familiar yeah. with this? You uh, know, project? I I heard about this kind of just on Facebook, but I I don't know what their what their rationale is. What are they trying to accomplish? Are they putting a bike lane in or something? Well, we so um, you know just a, just a little more just a little more context for it. So the, the neighborhood council had issued a letter of opposition to this in January of this year. The Bureau of Engineering has since made um, several presentations to us and to the community, um, and there was another set of presentations yesterday, actually. Um, in terms of their rationale for it, the rationale is that it was in a um, it was in a 1999 um, mobility plan. I don't want to say mobility plan because I don't want to get confused. It's a 2035 plan, but it was in a 1999 street plan uh, that Tom Labonge put together to relieve congestion in the community because. At the time when this project was uh, initiated, Magnolia Boulevard was um, only only three lanes, you know, one travel lane in each direction of the turn lane. And the goal was, well, if we widen it out to five lanes total, that will relieve congestion and we won't have so many backups and it'll make it better for it. And they, they explicitly said that at the time the project was put on the books, the idea was to uh, reduce smog. You know, so then you fast forward, part, the first half of the project took place and they widened the street in 2011 on the south side of the street. And this was before I was in the community, so I was not around to stop it, unfortunately. But this time around in 2018, they issued their first um, negative declaration. And we flagged it, we opposed it, and we've uh, brought BOE, to, BOE and LA DOT to the table a bunch of times. We've gotten a lot of concessions from them for uh, pedestrian enhancements, but in the end, we're still still opposed to it because we don't want to see the street get wider if we can if we can avoid it we want to keep the street in um what the uh, you know and I, I brought up the la mobility plan from 2035 la uh, mobility 2035 says that this type of street should only be 56 feet wide and it's already 57 feet now they want to take it to 64 and this this question was raised why are you ignoring this plan that was passed in 2015 and sort of the rationale that they provided for that was, well, we designed this before that plan went on the books, so that plan doesn't apply to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so smog was the rationale, like to fight smog? That, <clears throat> that was what they said last night in one of the public meetings was that when they, um, when they approved it, because they were idling trying to... cars cause more smog? Yeah, it's probably because they think that cars are idling too much, and that if, so that does, does, more smog. Does idling produce yeah. more smog than if you put your foot on the gas? Yes, if if you're extending the amount of time that the trip takes, it does. Mm. Mm, okay. Wow. I mean, so again, I, ni- yeah. Yeah. But is that accurate? So in 1999, that was their, that, that was their rationale. Um, and you know, um, I know y'all are in different parts of the parts of the county, but if you come through that stretch, there it's at rush hour. It can get a little backed up. Although I will say, I recently drove it at rush hour just on a on a lark to see how fast it would take. And it took less than three minutes to get from one end of that stretch up, from that one end of that stretch to another, and it took one light cycle. So uh, and, it's and not and like you know what the the thing is is there's a <clears> lot of businesses. Um, there's a business district there. There it should be one lane in each direction with a middle turn lane, so that delivery trucks mm-hmm. can stop in the middle turn lane and do their thing. Um, there's no reason that this yeah. So it it becomes yeah, like and, a cross town you know, route versus a local route. Yeah, and you know, and again, and another another thing which we've uh, since kind of come to realize is that none of us quite realize that this stretch of Magnolia is already on the city's high injury network. You know, and it's interesting that the stretch of Mag- that the stretch of Magnolia that's on the high injury network ends 
just past where Magno- where North Hollywood High School is on Magnolia Boulevard. Hmm. And that's because it's the street narrows there from, you know, two lanes and two lanes of the center turn lane into one lane with the center turn lane. So the high you injury know, seven, part is in the one lane part or the two lane part? It's in the two lane part. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it disappears when the it part, gets to the one lane part. Yeah. Once you hit, to, once you get down to the narrower street, the street leaves the high injury network and it's no longer, no longer considered one of our vision zero well, targets. Keep, keep fart, fighting the good fight. You know, the thing that's, the other thing that's frustrating about this is there's only a certain amount of money to put, you know, to, that there is to put into anything. And to put it into this instead of into, let's say, transit, you know, or to, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. making a rapid bus line or, or you know, something else that um, moves people around more efficiently, uh, is it's very, uh, very, it's kind of hard to understand. Yeah, I mean, they, these, the Bureau's getting, I think they, they said the readout was two-thirds is federal funding, which has to be used to bring it up to this, this street width. But then still, they're matching it with... Um, you know they're they're matching it now with even more because they're start they're starting about building more um, uh, infrastructure upgrades, but they're um, they're matching it with city money. So they're getting like six and I don't quote me on the figures, but I want to say they're getting six and a half million that's committed from the feds, and then the, but the remaining money is coming from Prop C money and other money from the city. Mm-hmm. And you know that like you said that Prop C money could still go to pedestrian upgrades and other infrastructure upgrades, and we could give the money back to the feds. We don't need to take money for a bad project. <laughs> We're talking about jobs here. We need jobs. I'm just kidding. We, well, can, <laughs> we, can build, we can obviously build the right stuff with those jobs. Well, we've been talking yeah, about... And, yeah. You know, and I should say, like, um, the Bureau of Engineering has... I, I will give them credit. They, they, with the council member's office and um, uh, LA DOT, have come back with a lot of great upgrades to the project. There, they, you know, um, there was a street blog article today that called them lipstick on a pig. I don't think they're quite, <laughs> bad, but, they, uh, but you know, they they're talking about putting pedestrian bump outs at every signalized intersection on the stretch. They're talking about um, potentially putting in speed tables if they can get LA dot approval for them. They're talking about adding adding leading pedestrian intervals to all the all the signalized crosswalks. So, you know, in the end, it, they are coming to the table with a lot of good pedestrian upgrades. That mm. being said, I still think that widening the street is not the right solution. Right. And we're, mm-hmm. um, you know, so the the update from our end, the process update from our end is that they came to ask us to amend our letter last night at our uh, planning and land use committee meeting. And the uh, committee voted against that motion. So we voted uh, not to amend the letter and we will see where it goes from there. We uh, encourage them to come back with, with more upgrades. And, you know, I don't think they're ever going to win my vote because I'm pretty, pretty strongly opposed to this. But I think they could come with enough upgrades that they might win the council's approval. And we'll see where they go from there. All right. Well, thanks for the update. Thanks, James. Yeah. Keep yeah. telling yeah. us every week. We'll, we'll have you back in with more updates. <laughs> um, thanks for calling in, man. Of course. All right. Um, so the the street widening though is the opposite of a road diet. We know that road diets, uh, you know, really don't. Sometimes they can make traffic flow better, and um, we know that it increases safety to have a road diet. So if that means that widening it will decrease safety and increase the severity of injuries and the likelihood of crashes. Yeah. So how much smog reduction is there going to be, and is that really their motivation? Yeah, I don't know. I guess there's different. There's a different measuring tool now i think vmt but maybe smog is still a factor 
right? Well, they said just, that last night. He said they they, they okay. That was their rationale. Well, that was of the this this project was okay. approved before the rule change. So, <clears throat> Dorothy, did you want to tell us more about how the city councilwoman <laughs> threatened to hit you with a car? Yeah, let's get back to that. <laughs> let's let's get a little no, action here. That. Isn't <laughs> that illegal to I even huh? say? Isn't she no. sort of? Prosecutable? Uh, we're, we're a wild world in Altadena, right? Because it's unincorporated? Um, <laughs> no, but it, it just came down to, you know, speaking out for safe bicycling, um, and that just wasn't status quo. Um, but the hero story there is, as we've been doing more partnership work within the community, she said, how can I get that study on my side? <laughs> Because again, we're divided into uh, eight census tracts, and we sort of have Lake Avenue is actually our continental divide. Mm -hmm. So actually, our watershed um, east goes to Eaton Canyon, which feeds the San Gabriel River, and then uh, our water goes west at Lake to the Arroyo Seco. So anyway, so you so, made a friend of your. Uh, enemy? She said, "Let's talk offline." a couple of months later, or a year or so later, you know, doing these projects. And again, funding comes from the state of California Office of Traffic Safety, which um, has been, you know, something that I learned about. So even um, I'm learning about uh, the co uh, our different council of governments. So um, I think Pasadena just left us and joined the um, Arroyo, uh, the COG that's like Burbank, Glendale and Pasadena, perhaps because of the airport. And so then Altadena falls into unincorporated and then also the um, San Gabriel cog of the Council of Governments. But from that, we got a community grants. Again, our library is one of our great resources. When I teach Sweet. bicycling safety, um, all across LA County, the libraries are a great place to- I've taught at uh, the uh, yeah. library out yeah. in Reseda. Uh, yeah. All right. So um, I'm excited to see Metrolink um, <laughs> hopefully grow. So we're doing bicycling um, safety at the schools out in Moreno Valley. And I'm going, how am I going to get to Moreno Valley <laughs> in the morning? So Metrolink. we're all going, hey, who's going to carpool? Well, right now it's yeah. it's something that's a nebula. It's, form, it's forming into a, a thing. Can yeah. people, so can we're, we're rooting for you, Laura. Can people vote yeah. for you, Laura? They can. They can vote for me in... Uh, March in a couple weeks. Get out of here. Are You're you up for re-election? I'm up for re-election. Do you have a, a competitor? I, I have two opponents. Oh. Um, and I I get hit a lot in my community about bike stuff, I have to tell yeah. you. Oh. There's a lot of kind of mean gadfly people who mm. send out a lot of stuff about how I want to take everyone's cars away and make oh. everybody ride a bike. And Those same flyers are floating Lorraine. around about Lorraine Lundquist. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. So I, I get that. And then... Uh, I am up again in November. Uh, mm -hmm. I have a website, votelaurafriedman.com. So you can awesome. check it out. Wait, Vote you're Laura up for another election well, in November? Well, we all have the primary in March. Got it. And then I'll it. be on the general in November. So okay. if you live in the 43rd Assembly District, I will be on your ballot. Okay. So um, if you're listening to this, you're probably friendly to my policies, I would think. Yes. Um, the people who don't like me will probably take this show and put it on their social media. And dissect <laughs> it. And dissect it. And try it. to destroy us. Yes, I, I yeah, I guess I want to take everyone's car and their gas stoves <laughs> away. That's the other one I get a lot, that I want to take away people's cars, I want to take away your gas stoves, and that now because of my water efficiency legislation, you can't 
do laundry and take a shower on the same day. Um, and that wow. that is That's not draconian. true. In fact, it's so it? not true that DWR put a disclaimer on their website about how that that was. We're, we're getting a call true. about this. What go if ahead, you go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, what if you wash your laundry while you're taking? Well, a I support <laughs> taking a shower. For people. <laughs> I, I'm fully yeah, in support, and for even washing your children. Bike talk <laughs> on the KPFK <laughs> live stream. You're on the air. Hey, this is Steve Messer with Corba. Oh wow! Hey. And also with the California Mountain Biking Coalition, we're a brand new organization that started last year. And one of our first actions was to speak up on Capitol Hill about AB 1111, which is um, something that we're very happy to be supportive of. Do you have a question for one of our guests? Laura Friedman? Yes, yes, Laura Friedman was the author of that uh, that legislation. Yes, that legislation unfortunately did not make it through the Senate Appropriations uh, Committee, but uh, it was a good try nonetheless. And we're hoping that it uh, it has an opportunity to be, to be reintroduced in the future. Yes, we me too. see the benefits in having that. O- so those who are listening, it uh, created an office of outdoor recreation in the governor's office. Mm. and um, something that really would bring value to the recreation economy in this state and people's quality of life. Absolutely. So we really supported it. And mm. you know what? The stakeholders, you guys, were so great advocating for the bill. I'm sorry that we weren't able to, you know, get it done for you. We will try again. Well, Thanks, we Steve. look forward to supporting you on this and other measures that you've got going. It all sounds wonderful. I've really enjoyed the conversation tonight. Thanks. Right on. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for calling in, man. We appreciate hearing from you. We'll have you in here soon. Thank you. Thank you. Frequent guest. That was was so nice. That was so nice to get a call like that. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Well, that's a good way to to end the show. Yeah. It's a... I mean, we can uh, I mean, keep going on. Yeah, I'm going to say goodbye because right. oh, my yeah. my six-year-old is probably waiting for me to come home yeah. and uh, put her to sleep. All oh. right, well, you know what? I'll tell you what. Why don't we take a break, and then we'll come back with Dorothy, and okay. we'll, we'll uh, do finish, a, up. finish up. Okay, Laura, thank you for coming thank on. Thank you. Thank you all. Any you. Um, any uh, media that you want to promote, like websites, so forth, well, that... Well, besides the boatlaurafriedman.com, I, uh, I would just say what's more important is that you all promote, um, you know, bicycling, but also bicycle safety and try to explain to people that we don't want everybody to have to ride a bike, but we do want to make sure that people don't die riding bikes. Mm-hmm. And that if people are on bikes, it means they're not fighting you for a parking space mm-hmm. um, or polluting your air mm-hmm. uh, or even taking up, you know, space in front of you if you happen to be driving. And I think get, getting the, the word out there um, to people is the best support you can give to people like me who are trying to help legislatively. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for your show and for your advocacy. It's great to meet another woman in politics. So Yay. thank you <laughs> for thank serving. Thank you for your leadership. And mm-hmm. uh, with that, I will say adieu mm-hmm. okay. to you all. You. Drop the mic. Drop the mic. Fade in.
that um nick's mic is still off <laughs> there you go buddy dorothy was just saying oh there's your microphone right there I, I was just gonna say how lucky we are um you know to have laura F- friedman representing right like you mm-hmm. know she's like right down the street on the other side of the river and yet she's making waves you know in the states yeah. um really in the state yeah advocating and and I learned state. a lot about the right. It's the just l- fascinating. Yeah, eighty-fifth percentile rule. That well, that, that well, yeah. But that's a statewide. That could that could change the whole way that, that speed limits are set. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is changing and it's ruining it, everything. It, what? <laughs> the eighty-fifth percentile. Oh yes. no, her bill. Yes. Yeah, could, I. You know. Yeah. Definitely. No, it's funny. I was gonna. So yeah, in my madness, like I'm still doing bicycling stuff. <laughs> In fact, uh, sadly, because of the parking uh, shuttle at the Greek Theater, yeah. we can't um, put on our, our cyclocross really? Why not? there anymore. I guess they just always use that as a shuttle? Uh, yeah, the, the bicycles lost. I think I would have to get some. What about another area of the park? Yeah, so now we're kind of um, working on Elysian Park. So we're going to do a demonstration oh, project. That's not even Griffith Park, huh? I know, mm. but... Um, no other, no other place in Griffith Park. Um, well, Down possibly the, the old, uh, old, old zoo. zoo. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're but always doing something there. Yeah, that's the thing. They're always doing something there, so it's a challenge. Oh, you know, the good thing about when the Greek Theater, uh, when the season was over, yeah, it turned back into a park. Right. But now it's kind of a full-time parking lot. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that's it's okay. Kind of sad. Onward, and then anything is possible with uh, organization. You're always and very positive. Political Dorothy. will. <laughs> yes, and you know, so I feel when we get this uh, pilot, or we're just kind of a fun event at the top of Elysian yeah. Park, um, and do a, a small event. That's cool with next. Dodger Stadium in the background. Yeah, so it should be kind of fun, and it would be our tenth year of actually putting on. Um, we're going to do the uh, sort of an eliminator version. Taking a little bit of the cross-country skiing meets your uh, timing. Really? And then similar to when you did your... Um, drag race? Not the drag race. When you did the the crit and people got eliminated. Oh, yeah. If you, you fall behind. The, yeah, you had the times. You get dropped. I remember. I, I wouldn't leave your course. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Oh, during the women's race. That's right. Well... <laughs> No, whatever. Do we need any <laughs> background context for other people? No. Who no. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's our old racing days. Yeah. We Do go way back. Yes. Um, but so what's... You know I used to organize races, right, Nick? Yeah. I thought you still did. Oh, yeah. I still do. You still <laughs> Thomas do? Thomas Forsyth, yeah. Oh, right. That's right. Forsyth Cup. That's very it's good. coming up. I thought about you because there's uh, some other cities that want to do some bike stuff. And okay. Yeah, we'll t- yeah, hook a back. ninja up. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I want to go back to my boring story, but I think the street story is a really great tool. You mean the road rage uh, of the council member? No, <laughs> but 
No, she, she made friends with that person. Yes. So we can't talk about it. So you can organize oh, your neighbors on the block, and you guys can get on your phones, mm-hmm. and you can walk, and you can then document if you feel safe crossing a street or not. Okay. And again, this Berkeley safe trek street story, you can just kind of Google it. And like the other day, I is was... That, that, that is why you're in here today. Why? Right? To talk about the... Yeah. Okay. Well, it's I'm community sorry. engagement. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. the state, you know, is, gets bigger. But when Laura was saying it, it really comes down to local, getting involved locally. Yeah. And then, you know, our... Building, our building support for mm-hmm. these crazy ideas yeah. of keeping people safe on the yeah. streets. So like right here, I had a, a lady... Mm-hmm. She had um We are right now looking at a yellow piece of yeah, paper. Yeah, a yellow piece of paper. <laughs> and she wrote her traffic safety concerns. Oh, so this is like a, one of the forms that are filled out. Well, because she doesn't use social media. She doesn't know what an app is and she doesn't care to. Right. But she w- came to the meeting because she wanted to talk about traffic safety. Yeah. Because a- people want to talk about traffic safety, even, even if it's not about riding a bicycle. Exactly. And yet, if we can design our streets, back to what you were talking about, to make it safer to walk and, and move around in various ways, uh, you know, success. I want to make it safe to frolic. Okay, yes. Because what I see, I'm, okay, I'm yeah, in all these. All the way to the frolic. Do you remember when you were a kid and you were able to frolic around the neighborhood? I do. Yes. Yeah. We played marbles out yeah, on the street. You know, like, or Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. LARPing. I oh. rode my, um, oh. I'm aging myself, the big wheel. The big did wheel, you ride a big the, wheel? Yeah. Not only did I ride a big wheel, I was in, I grew up in the hilly area of Hollywood. We would go down these epic hills and skid those things out until the tread came off. Yeah. So where can we ride Big Wheel nowadays? Well, Ciclavia is on Sunday. <laughs> oh, in Sunday. South Central. You can we ride one of those, that, one of those like Big Wheel Big Wheels. They have them like like a grown the, up Big Wheel. Yeah, with the uh, the wheels are like twenty ers or something. You ever seen those like fat fat bike Big Wheels? No. Or is this just my imagination? <laughs> Maybe it this is just good. me wanting Dream. this to happen <laughs> with disc brakes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, the street story is definitely another layer of, of data, and it's really exciting, and it is community building, and then you find yourself interfacing with folks who aren't necessarily bike riders, but all want the same thing, mm-hmm. which is safer streets. Yeah. So go green. Uh, Measure W, have you heard of Measure W? Mm, is that the one where we voted to tax ourselves for yes. water? Uh-huh. To, to store stormwater. I did vote for that. Yeah. So even some of that can relate to safer walking. So there's lots of things out there that we can be doing. So get involved in your community. I guess that's the main thing. thing? And it's been really cool seeing some of the groups forming. Um, Sunset, what is it? Sunset. Sunset for all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Mm -hmm. week or two ago, um, uh, Terrence came on and buttered me up about that one so i'm i'm supporting it now i didn't originally the protected lane on sunset i wasn't originally for it because i don't want to see bike lanes only on one side of the street i want them on both sides of the street but i'm with it he but he buttered he buttered me is that the only that's the only thing that's Crazy. all that mattered i get buttered up hmm. i'm kidding no i'm <laughs> re- just really excited because terrence kills it like he he knows how to advocate and butter people up, politicians <laughs> included, 
to do things that are good. It's so funny that you have to butter these people up to do good things for the community, but mm -hmm. he does it well. So, yeah, I say gung-ho. Do you, you want have to butter people up, Dorothy? Uh, no, you don't do that. That's not your approach. <laughs> it depends. I think um, I, I really go back to that silly thing of we do all want the same thing, and I dream in my idealistic mind um, that that's true, and I know that there are people that are not on the same page, but then I often... It really comes down to how much time that you want to spend to um, understand issues, right? Like really There's a lot of granular details mm -hmm. to anything yeah. political. So I'm holding in my hand this uh, wonderful folder, and I went to this workshop in Hacienda Heights, uh, but it was – Hosted, it's called Park Rx LA County. So, like Park Prescription. Yeah, Park Prescription, and okay. it's actually a national movement okay. um, to get instead of getting pills, you You're get a prescription time. to nice. go to the park. Hell yeah. yes! Immerse yourself in nature. Hell. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Whatever it is, and so. Good idea. So, whose idea was this? Oh, um, is this the county? <laughs> No, it's an actual, it's a national, it's a um, national movement, my yeah. friend. And then it's then moved into L.A. County. <laughs> and so this is really, um, you know, then then the question is, how do you fight the pharmaceutical companies, right? Because that's big business. Well, they're, they're going up against cannabis, too. Yeah. So all they're of these things. but Build a coalition. We need parks and cannabis. That's right. And so um, with that said... Uh, <laughs> it's for kids, Don. Yeah, I did mention bicycles at this well, yeah, in this I mean, room full like of people. The toys for older kids, and um, and then there were Adults. a couple of people that chimed in. The city of Long Beach, yes, you know, and then bicycles. another table, <laughs> yes, bicycles. So Santa you Monica know, too, I bet. Um, I, they weren't there at this meeting. Oh. They got it all worked out in Santa Monica, right? I know. They're like, you know what? We got this. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, but it, it was really exciting um, just to just find those subtle ways to bring up the bicycle. Yeah. And then suddenly people go, oh. And again, teaching, you know, I think, have you taught the kids yet? I'm getting into it. I'm, yeah. I'm I've shouting taught, my first class Sunday. I've taught um, after school yeah. bicycle uh, it was for a star. Do you know star program after school program? I don't know. I think it's like a private company maybe, but I was teaching kids how to ride bikes. Like, you know, they were like five, six years old. And, um, it was amazing. Like there was kids that already knew how to ride bikes. They were little devils, like yeah. jumps and wheelies everywhere. But then there was like this girl that was like so scared and she, and then she finally rode on that bike, and she was so excited about finally learning how to ride a bike. She couldn't – it was it was pretty amazing. So yeah. I, I know she's going to remember that for a long time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm teaching uh, adults who are learning to ride uh, Sunday. Or I'm Get shadowing. Get out of here, for, really. You know Ron Durgan's uh, – Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it Sustainable Streets? Yeah. Uh, shadowing you. Right on. Very cool. And so then next week uh, we're finishing off Metro – it's sort of like a Safe Routes to Schools program. Uh -huh. And we're working, uh, uh, I'm working with the LACBC um, on this. And it's a high school um, with special needs kids. 
So there's different, um, you know, ability levels of learning, and we're really, you know, we're doing class three, which is taking the kids out or the young people and um, applying what we've learned yeah. in in the school campus, and we're going to take some of those kids out. And it sounds, is are, would you guys be scared, like, Taking kids, uh, leading kids on a ride in, in the real world. Is yeah, that what you're about? you Absolutely. mean on the actual streets? We're gonna yes, but that. we're gonna do it strategically. And thankfully, you know, a lot of us have also worked, um, you know, with uh, Jim Shanman with Walk and Rollers. So yeah, we're teaching kids of all different ages and abilities too. And so uh, we're actually applying a lot of what we've learned, and this will be kind of the first time. Jim Shanman's amazing. I love that guy. Yeah. He he's moves. Everywhere. He moves. I was just saying, he's oh, everywhere. Yeah. Yes. And so my last little thing, mm-hmm. um, back to my little town council advocacy thing is, you know, when it comes down to what Laura was saying about um, land use, you know, and even the land use issue of Magnolia, um, the challenge, I guess it's back to the kids again. So we have a project where a a daycare, so it's ages two to six, wants to expand so that they can be sustainable. So uh, they would go to sort of the next level of um, daycare size, which would actually go from like 14 students to 49. And when I was looking at it, a lot of the residents around it were concerned about traffic safety. You know, there's gonna be more cars and people are going to park and then but if you really look at it and slow down and, and look at the project and I went back to the Tim's data and I oh look at that there was a pedestrian fatality less than 500 feet from the school mm-hmm. uh, oh those are broadside accidents and so ultimately we're working with the community now and we're working um, hopefully with the school and and the county um, writing a letter to also really ask them to you know, and maybe it's idealistic or not, but really show them the data that comes from Berkeley Safe Trek and um, recommend, you know, um, whatever we can do to make it safer to cross the very busy street that this school uh, will be on and to also maybe even, there is a class two bike lane on this street, really looking at it, um, you know, to make it, safe for the bicyclists, maybe reducing the amount of traffic lanes Uh-oh. in just this short no, little stretch. Sorry, can't do it. Nope. Um, so it'll be an exciting, eh. I know, but we, we got to keep on pushing no. and, and the data is there. Is that like and a road diet? No. And no, it could even, can't do it. No. It, it can sorry. amount to the perfect project. You sound like <laughs> the community. But if you, if you think about it, they were concerned and I was concerned also about um, the safety because it's a high-speed street that this school um, wants to expand on. So I, it, it sounds boring, but if you really... Why are you saying that? Because I don't look, know. I'm looking at you like this with my head in my hand? <laughs> we had a lot. We, we talked about a lot of stuff, but it it's really like comes down to the knowledge um, that we all learn when we ride bicycles, when we understand. We don't understand <laughs> everything, right? But we understand a lot. And Why are we so crazy about bicycles? What's the big deal about <sighs> bicycles? Because it's awesome. You know, who cares about bicycles? <laughs> it's how we frolic. It's true. They At yesterday's meeting, they had us all talk about how we got to the meeting. 
And I said that I hopped on the bus and I got off and unfolded my little folding bike and I rode a mile and a half to the meeting. Yeah. And what did they say? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I what, don't know. It, we I should mean, the use words like frolic more <laughs> in public <laughs> meetings. I think like people I, get jealous. You, I you got on the bus. I <laughs> got up to my stop. I took my bike out and then and I frolicked over frolic. to the meeting. So th- the fact that they even asked, though, is kind of enlightened, right? Yeah, and also, you know, we, we are um, metro. Oh, they, they, were, they were trying it as a gotcha question. How did you get it's here? It's an icebreaker. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's cool because in the end, you know, people are listening. People are trying to understand other points of And it's not even opposing points of view because we all want safer streets. I don't and want safer streets. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. What do you want? I'm going to be that guy. Are, is this a persona you're adopting in the last <laughs> 10 minutes of the show? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What, what I was at a public meeting. I was at a public meeting, and um, I I pretended to be from the opposition. Oh wow! <laughs> Did it work? Yeah, I was like, because everybody was wearing green shirts. I guess they were. It was at a meeting about the Venice Road Diet. Yeah, and the opposition was all wearing. They were all coordinated. They all had shirts, and I walked up and I was like, "All right, everybody with shirts on, stand up with me." Oh no. <laughs> And it was like getting up, and and it was like, we don't care how many people die. <laughs> we demand that our, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. we demand that our commute is two minutes faster. Right. <laughs> oh man, you know, that's must. I mean, I gotta that, do that again. How did that go over? People were like, boo. You saying the quiet thing out as loud. I was walking. Uh, <clears throat> Walking down the aisle, I was like, yo, raise the roof, people, come on, people. Well, without uh, all of the advocates, uh, we would, (laughs) what would we have, right? So we got to keep on keeping on. Wider roads with more cars and everybody driving everywhere for everything. That's what we would have. Isn't that a wonderful future that we should be running? I'm going to keep throwing bicycle parties, and then everyone will come to the party. I I turned the library into a bike park for the day, and then we have one of our, you know, our, our, our elders. Every council meeting, she says, Dorothy, when are you going to bring that back? We need that thing again. Oh. That bike thing that you did, you know? And um, so I think people like it. Who, Who could hate on a bike party? Yeah. Screw you if you can hate on a bike party. Yeah, really. I mean, what kind of ghoulish had, yeah. person well, hates a bike party? Our our, our party was um, multifaceted. We had a book sale, a used book sale. Okay. Yeah. We had a little bike skills park. Bikes no. and books. Uh, we did Tai Chi and yoga. Get out of here. We gave away free food. Oh. We had ice cream. How come I didn't know about this? <laughs> yeah, <it was> tea. <laughs> my first Thanks for the invite. What party? Dorothy. I know. We had karate demos, and it was really fun. You do a lot of stuff, don't you? You just have to kind of keep being creative, keep people excited, right? Yeah, I mean, Dorothy, you have been going and going and going and going. You got your, I mean, SoCal, how many years has that been going? SoCal Cross, Uh, 13, 16. 16. I know. 16 years. How do you do it? I have gray hair now, Don. Well, yeah, that's okay. But... It's really what has happened is people are embracing bicycling here. I used to think I was the only one who rode a bicycle when I lived in Burbank. Mm -hmm. 
and now look, you know. So everything's growing. Uh, like um, assembly member Laura said, um, more people are loving light rail, and um, and young people aren't owning cars. <laughs> I know. I mean, <laughs> they're saddled with insane debt. Yeah. And th- then you're supposed to buy this thirty thousand dollar car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if you get a clunker, you're. I don't know. Yeah. And then the last thing is, uh, you know, with the the bus service changing and just being really proactive at that, uh, Metro is um, has proposed to do um, one of six micro transit pilots in Altadena. Okay. So we're getting all the dirt on Altadena. <laughs> but all you have to do is, you, you know, you just got to go that extra mile, like you know. Do you guys have any kind of intrigue on the... That's such a winner's philosophy. (laughs) I know. know. Dorothy is a winner. Dorothy... (laughs) No, no. But it's just, you know, you love it. Like, why why are you doing this show? You love it. To be honest, I'm doing this show because it gets me out into the city. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's what he's saying. He wants wants you to think he's not... I know. I'm feigning, you know... uh, What's that word? I'm feigning disinterest. But I'm really like, I really love this show. You know, and even, you know, with all the knowledge that you have, you're fun to listen to. Oh. And it's true. And then, you know. I'm also self-deprecating. I'm not afraid to. uh, Yeah. That's your. You're legendary too. (laughs) Nick is legendary. Most amazing quality. My (laughs) self-deprecation. I also sip coffee live on the air. (laughs) That's good. I'm not even going to respond because I think it feeds. I think and we're, then I go, we're out. <sighs> yeah, that's it. So keep so on wait, checking Nick, your data. Nick and I drove here. I, I had to Why drive here too. Okay, check it out. We do this thing afterwards. Oh, yeah. Um, this, what is it? It's Hyper-lighting. Okay, so, so I'm very much into safe driving, right? I, I actually uh-huh. would love to do some kind of like traffic skills, safe driving class, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And one of the, uh, you know, one of the, the ways to drive safely is hypermiling where you're you're timing the lights and you're not trying you're trying not to stop at lights you know so you don't have to hit the gas or your brakes and that involves looking ahead it's a lot of calculation it's hard to do so nick and i'll sit there as we're driving our our, home we drive (laughs) for a stretch and we're on the phone. This sounds psychotic, actually. We probably shouldn't talk about <laughs> I'm this. Scared. But we're we're on our phones, like speak, you know, speakerphone. I have my my little ear earphone. I got and a holder for the. Phone. Yeah, and you know the Bluetooth thing, and um, we're coordinating and timing the lights, and you end up pacing all the vehicles behind you, and everybody just makes the lights. But sometimes there's people that just lose their minds, and speed around you to the red light, and then we pass them when it goes green so but it's like it's like in the past it would have been people going as fast as they could yeah from light to light this is the culture that we have but we're going as slow as we can we're we're not, not as going slow no as no, we no. Can, we're not going as slow as we can we're going at a pace that we don't have to stop so sometimes it does involve going a little faster like there's that stretch along we're basically going up hollywood way airport. yeah there's a stretch along the airport where it's completely safe in uh, you know, it makes sense to drive, to pick it up, to get up to 35 or 40 in that area. See, we, we do get kind of crazy by the airport, yeah. And, and what ends up happening is Nick is, is monitoring his miles per gallon. We've gotten it up to 47 miles per gallon. Wow. Yeah. yeah. 
And this car, my last car. And I'm coaching you. I'm coaching you, right? We're we're basically like, okay, check out the light up ahead. Stale green. Okay, let off the gas. You know, you're not putting on the brakes. You're just letting off the gas well in advance. So do you drive this way all the time? All the time. Yes. Literally. So I (laughs) drive the speed limits. Uh Uh-huh. And more than I speed over the speed limit. Okay. And maybe I'm just becoming an old gal <laughs> but i just in i i look at infrastructure i drive my husband crazy <laughs> i i look at things and um i i just don't feel the need to feel stressed out right I if don't you know. you can reach a zen yeah i mean okay driving the speed limits Driving the speed limits, I do. Yeah, I do actually less than the speed limit a lot. Yeah, although sometimes I will go the speed limit. But um, I like to. I like to say like sometimes I was going fast. I was going at the limit. I like to um, drive where it feels the speed is right, and maybe that's what you're talking about too. Hmm. Um, For for the for the street. This is L.A. Any lane is is. Is f- you know fair Floral game? Fridays. Fair game. Any mm-hmm. lane. I'll take the left lane. Yeah. You know, it's like you got to yeah. calculate what's going on. If there's a pileup of cars and there's a gap in the left lane, head over to the left lane and cruise on through the green light. Anyway, we got to wrap it up because <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're on the slow roll. Yeah, we're we're like at two <laughs> hours. Bicycle time. Yeah. I mean, it was so fun to talk to both you, Dorothy, and Laura Friedman. Nick, you're yeah. kind of fun. <laughs> And Nick's always fun. Oh, Nick's always no, fun. I gotta keep yeah. I gotta keep the show, you know, in certain parameters. I was I was reading off the teleprompter and I asked the same question that we had just asked Laura Freeman. That was really embarrassing. So we're gonna have to edit that out, okay? Uh, you have to show me where it is. Yeah. It was really stupid. <coughs> it was like that she had just you explained the all the Yeah, yeah. And I was like reading the teleprompter and I was like, Okay, it's time to talk ask that question. <laughs> No, people know we have a teleprompter. We, do you not respect any of the mystery of the... What's wrong with the teleprompter? We're pro. That was pro great. Pro level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. We communicate between the rooms with these. You guys are going pro. All right. Tell the world. We will get pro someday. All right. Street Story 101. See you next time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next time, we'll see you. Bike Talk. Thanks. This has been Bike Talk Live on KPFK live stream with Nick Richard and Don Ward. We'll see you next time. I rise in the morning and greet the day Pull out the bike and I'm on my way The transportation shows I care Every turn of the pedal cleans the air Green in the green, I'm saving the planet Just like my friends Daryl, Sean, Toby, and Janet No greenhouse gas A tiny carbon footprint up your ass Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 